Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you have a household pet? Some of you may have birds, some of you may have dogs, some of you surely have cats. You love your pets. Have you heard of the term dog mom or cat mom or maybe fur babies? In our culture, many people grow so attached to their pets that they consider them almost as a child. And to some degree, we can understand that. We spend a lot of time with our pets, and sometimes we spend a lot of money on them. But at the end of the day, our love for our pets is not the same as our love for our children. This becomes clear when we picture a Sunday dinner table. If a family is seated for dinner, there are places set for everyone. Eight smacklick. If it's a large family, you'd better get the food while it lasts. That Sunday roast will melt in everyone's mouths but your own if you spend too much time on the mashed potatoes. Oh, but what's this brushing your leg under the table? The dog is looking up at you expectantly. He smells the roast probably better than you do, but you don't give him any. Food is for the family. Afterwards, he might get the bone from the the roast or lick up the spilled mashed potatoes, but you certainly don't set him a place at your table. He's a dog. Even a dog mom would recognize that her love for her real children is in a different category than her love for a dog. And in our text this morning, the Lord Jesus paints a similar picture. In this scene, the Canaanite woman is a dog who is asking to eat the children's bread, the good news of grace offered to the people of Israel. She doesn't deserve it. In fact, nobody, not even the Israelites, deserve to receive the good news of grace. By nature, we're unclean, dead in our sin. But in our text this afternoon, we'll see that God gives grace to the undeserving. We'll see that He gave this this grace first to the Israelites, but we'll see that according to His plan, this rich grace overflows to the Gentiles as well. And we'll see that the gospel, while freely extended to all who hear it, only truly feeds those who accept it by faith. That brings us to our theme this afternoon. In the household of faith, the Lord graciously gives the children's bread to a dog. We'll see first, the bread is offered first to the children and then to the dog. And second, the bread is received only by true faith. The bread is offered first to the children and then to the dog. At the beginning of this chapter, Jesus was on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. The Pharisees and scribes have a problem with Jesus and his disciples, and they've come all the way from Jerusalem to ask, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. They're asking a question about remaining ceremonially clean. In the law, God had given His people commands about holiness, which included how they were to keep themselves from being ceremonially unclean. But this hand-washing was not one of them. The Lord Jesus points out that the Pharisees and scribes were speaking of tradition, not God-given commandments. 
In verse 10, Jesus calls all the people to him and teaches them about what it really means to be unclean. He says, It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. It is sad if we reflect that God's people, who were set apart to be holy, did not understand what it meant to be truly clean. And this is where our text begins. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. The land of Sidon was a a land of idolatry and unholiness. Children, do you remember that the wicked queen Jezebel, the wicked wife of Ahab, she was the daughter of the king of the Sidonians, and she was fiercely opposed to the ways of the Lord. She even persecuted and tried to murder the prophets. And Jezebel wasn't the only bad Sidonian influence on Israel. King Solomon loved a Sidonian woman, and he went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. So when our Lord Jesus went into the district of Tyre and Sidon, he walked into the heart of pagan territory, into the heart of an unclean people who had drawn Israel away from the Lord to worship idols. And whom does he meet there? And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. We might think to ourselves, we've seen enough of Canaanite women. After all, what would the Son of God have to do with an unclean woman from an unclean people who had drawn God's people away from Him? And it was not a question of whether Jesus could or could not cast out the demon. Earlier, Jesus had cast out the spirits with a word from those who were oppressed by demons. We see that in chapter 8. And in a sense, one word is all it would take. But Jesus did not answer her a word. And his disciples are a bit put out by this woman. She keeps crying out. She's being a nuisance and perhaps drawing a lot of extra attention in a foreign land. So they come to Jesus and beg him to send her away. From the way that Jesus replies, it seems that the disciples were asking, please just heal her daughter so she'll leave us alone. And now, for the first time in our passage, Jesus speaks. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's not speaking to the Canaanite woman, but to the disciples. This is a lesson for them, and it's one that they've heard before. In chapter 10, Jesus had sent out these 12 disciples to preach and to perform miracles. He told them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. To our ears, these words may seem a little unfair. Why would Jesus only help the lost sheep of the house of Israel when everyone else had problems too? We have to remember, in the first place, God didn't need to save anyone, even the Israelites. But He had chosen Abraham and his descendants to be His people. 
In Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abraham, Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The Lord had made Israel a great nation and he had blessed them. He brought them out of the land of Egypt. He gave to them his law. He brought them into the promised land and he sent to them his prophets. And now in this next step of God's salvation, he sent the Messiah to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The Lord Jesus is the son of David, the heir to his throne. David was the shepherd who became a king, but the Lord Jesus was the king who served as the good shepherd sent to the lost sheep. Jesus ministered mostly within the land of Israel. He taught in their synagogues, he taught them in parables, and he performed miracles among them. If this is where the story of grace ends, we might expect the passage to stop here. But the story keeps going. The Canaanite woman comes and kneels before Jesus. And for the first time, Jesus speaks to her. He says, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Again, to our ears, this may sound a little harsh. But Jesus is teaching the same lesson to the Canaanite woman that he just taught to his disciples. Bread was a staple of life in ancient times, the basic food that fed many people every day. But the bread that Jesus speaks about here is not literal, but spiritual. Just as God provides our literal daily bread, so he also provides his children with spiritual, life-giving bread each day, the grace of the gospel. And in God's plan, the children are given the bread first. It's not right, it's not fair to give what they need to the dogs. But the Canaanite woman sees some hope in this metaphor. She says, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Surely there's some scraps of blessing and mercy left over. And she's right to have hope. If we take a step back and look at the way God has worked among his people over time, we see that crumbs had been falling always from the table. When God... promised to make Abraham's descendants a great nation, he also said, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So these crumbs of mercy were part of God's plan from the very beginning. In our reading from 1 Kings 17, we saw one example of these crumbs. The Lord sent the prophet Elijah to a widow of Zarephath in Sidon. These were the days of King Ahab and his Sidonian wife, Jezebel. Yet God sent Elijah to Sidon. And God worked a miracle for the widow. Neither the jar of flour nor the jug of oil became empty. She had each day her daily bread. When her son died, Elijah raised him from the dead. Eventually, the Lord sent Elijah back to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but he had provided this Canaanite woman with crumbs of mercy. The Lord chose this woman to receive blessings through the prophet Elijah. 
In fact, the Lord Jesus refers to this event when he teaches in Nazareth, when he was not acceptable in his hometown. He says, There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, and Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. With this example, the Lord teaches that salvation was not just for the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Many Jews would reject it when it was offered, but many Gentiles would welcome it. So how does God's, God grant grace to the Gentiles in the ministry of Jesus while he lived on earth? At this specific stage of God's plan, Jesus was calling the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But even during this stage, his ministry brought many crumbs to the Gentiles. Like Elijah, Jesus leaves Israel to spend some time in this area. And after the Canaanite woman shows her faith, Jesus does grant her her request. Her daughter is healed. Then right after this, right after our text, Jesus goes into an area known as the Decapolis that was mostly Gentile. Great crowds came to him there, and Jesus healed many who were disabled. And what was their response? They glorified the God of Israel. But it gets even better, because after Jesus rises from the dead, God completely opens the door of his covenant of grace to the Gentiles. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives the eleven disciples a new commission. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So the bread was first given to the children, but it was then given to the dogs. As Paul says, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We see the seeds of this in Jesus' mercy to the Canaanite woman. And the seed comes into full flower when our Lord shed his blood on the cross to reconcile all believers to God. In his letter to the Gentile Ephesians, Paul writes, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you once... You who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Brothers and sisters, the story of the Canaanite woman shows to us the wonders of God's plan of salvation. The lost sheep of the house of Israel did not deserve his grace. They were lost, after all. And the Canaanite woman didn't deserve his mercy either. We might have been asking ourselves, why does Jesus not answer this woman? Why does he seem so harsh to her? But we should really ask, why would Jesus answer her? And even closer to home, why would Jesus answer us? Most of us are not physical descendants of Abraham. If we go back far enough, most of our ancestors were no better than the people of Tyre and Sidon, worshiping false gods. If we look deep enough, we're no better than the people of Tyre and Sidon either. By nature, we're as unclean as a Canaanite woman. Jezebel looks pretty bad, but what about you? 
We're all tempted to worship false gods and idols, the idols of self, possessions, power, status, and so on. And we do fall prey to this kind of sin. We don't need to look beyond our own sins for proof of total depravity, do we? But God sent Elijah to the widow at Zarephath. Jesus answered the Canaanite woman. God speaks his word to you today. Brothers and sisters, by his grace, God has brought the Gentiles into his covenant. He has made the unclean to be clean. He has given the bread of the gospel to dogs. Or maybe it's not so much that he has given bread to dogs, but he has transformed us from dogs into children. We've been given a place at his table. We've been brought near by the blood of Christ. How do we respond to this good news of grace? Earlier in the chapter, we saw the example of the Pharisees. Jesus says, they are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. The Pharisees were supposed to be those who sat at the table, the children to whom the bread was given. But they don't want to be fed by the words of Jesus. They don't eat the bread they've been given. So we're left with the question, how do we receive the good news of grace? How do we eat of this bread? That brings us to our second point. The bread is received only by true faith. The Canaanite woman holds out hope for crumbs. Crumbs are enough for her. She humbly and persistently pursues that hope, showing great faith. In this point, we'll walk through the text once more, a bit more quickly, learning from the great faith of the Canaanite woman. Her example shows us also how to walk with great faith, how to properly respond to God's grace. At the beginning of the passage, the Canaanite woman is deeply distressed. Her daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. We're not told how long this has been the case, but we can step into her shoes for a moment. In the district of Tyre and Sidon, a land of idolatry, there is no power that can drive out a demon. And the bond between mother and daughter is very strong. She loves her daughter, but she's helpless. In Mark's account of this same event, he writes that Jesus entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. Immediately, he says, the woman heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. It's a bit surprising that news is going out about Jesus even in this Gentile land. It's understandable that he would draw crowds in Israel where he was teaching and performing miracles, but what did these Gentiles know of him? The Canaanite woman knew enough. In the first place, she knows her need, and she knows she doesn't deserve help. She doesn't approach Jesus saying, Quick, I have this problem. Can you get rid of it for me? No. She was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. There's no reason he should help her. An unclean, Gentile from a nation of idolatry, and she doesn't presume upon his help either. But she has hope. 
The Canaanite woman also knew who Jesus was. She calls him Lord, Son of David. Elsewhere in the Gospels, the ones who call Jesus Lord are often those who come to him with special requests. They respect and believe that he has power and authority to help. And this woman calls him Son of David. If we think about this for a moment, that's, that's remarkable. In the Gospel of Matthew, the title Son of David has special significance. Throughout the book, it's used to refer to the Messiah, the one whom God would send to save his people. When Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the crowds were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Later, Jesus asks the Pharisees, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The Son of David. So it's one thing for the Canaanite woman to know about David, an Israelite king. It's another for her to know about the Jewish Messiah. But it's still another for her to believe that the Lord Jesus was this Messiah. She had not only heard reports about Jesus, but she believed what she heard. And if you know about Jesus, even the basics of the gospel, you can see that he's your only hope. The Jews had studied the Old Testament. They had heard Jesus' teaching. They saw his miracles. They knew about Jesus, but they did not believe in him. This Canaanite woman was no scribe or Pharisee, but she had heard about Jesus, and she believed. She clung to her hope like a lifeline. But Jesus did not answer. If we were the Canaanite woman following a Jewish rabbi surrounded by his 12 disciples, this might be embarrassing. What a fool we're making of ourselves. Or perhaps, if we're being ignored, we might get angry. I'm a human, aren't I? Don't I deserve a response? But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Her most basic request, her most basic confession is that she is helpless, but that Jesus is Lord and he can help. She's been crying out and maybe she's at her wits end, Lord, help me. Jesus answers, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. In the first point, we saw how Jesus' words and actions in this story point to grace and to good news for the Gentiles. But if you were a Canaanite woman, you might not see that here. You might be broken, feeling even worse. Perhaps you might get angry. I'm a human, aren't I? Don't I deserve your help? But she says, yes, Lord, Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Incredible. She humbly says, yes, Lord. You're right, I'm a dog and it is not right for me to eat the children's bread. But even here, she sees hope. She knows that Jesus is her only hope and she put, puts all her eggs in this basket. She is humble but she's also persistent. Jesus answers, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. 
and her daughter was healed instantly. This is the moment that the passage has been building towards. With everything she has said, the Canaanite woman has been showing her faith. And Jesus proves that she has been right to place her faith in him. Although he's never met her daughter, he doesn't go with the woman to find her. The woman's request is granted. Her daughter was healed instantly from a distance. The woman was right to place her faith in Jesus. Brothers and sisters, have you ever spoken the words of the Canaanite woman? Have you knelt before God helpless and asked, Lord, help me? Does it feel as though God is not helping you? You've been crying out to him with real problems that really hurt you, and it feels like God is not answering you a word. Our text this afternoon proves that God hears and he answers you. Hear God's word, his answer to you this afternoon. All we have needed, his hand has provided. Our greatest need is his grace, and that's exactly what we've been given. Let us learn from the faith of the Canaanite woman. It's difficult to accept the words of Jesus to hear that we are like unclean dogs, undeserving of help. But grace is so much sweeter when we know the depths of the sin and utter helplessness that we've been saved from. So in humility, with patience, cry out to God for the bread that he provides. The Canaanite woman was patient, and that was probably painful. She didn't receive an answer at first, and then the answer that Jesus gives her probably wasn't what she wanted. But in the end, the Lord did reward her faith. Child of God, the Lord also knows your faith. He sees your grief, your needs, and he answers in his perfect provision, in his perfect timing, by his perfect power, with his perfect grace. The Lord told this woman, great is your faith. How amazing would it be to hear our Savior say those words to us? Especially when we consider that the source of our faith, it's not our own goodness, our own efforts. Part of God's grace is that He sows every stitch of faith in our hearts, start to finish. Let that encourage you as you seek His grace, the bread that He provides with humility and perseverance. Brothers and sisters, guests who are among us, do you desire crumbs of mercy, the bread of the gospel? Eat freely by faith. If you've been eating for a while, eat some more. Be nourished at the table alongside God's other children. If you've never eaten before, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, humble yourselves, know your helplessness, and don't stop crying to God for grace. The Lord will sustain and feed all those who seek Him in true faith. Congregation, let's return one last moment to the dinner table, to the Sunday roast and the mashed potatoes. 
Even a dog mom should admit that there's a difference between her dog and a real human child. There is no place set for a dog at a family dinner table. But in our text this morning, we've seen that the Lord Jesus does feed the Canaanite woman a dog. It's not as though he sets a place for a dog at the children's table, but in God's wonderful plan, he's done something unthinkable. He has transformed unclean dogs into his holy human children. He sets them a place at his table. He accepts them into the household of faith. This table is richly prepared, and there's always food enough for everyone. You don't have to watch carefully to make sure that you get your share of the Sunday roast. There's grace enough. But in order to get your share, you have to eat with faith. You must recognize your undeserving place at the table, and you must come to that table with faith. Only then will you be nourished by God's grace. But if this is the case, if you come to Him in helplessness and in faith, He will nourish you with His grace. Amen. Let's respond now to the rich grace of God by singing from Psalm 87, the verses 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5.